right, happy Friday. Glad you are with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. By the way, I want to say thanks to Rush last night. It was his 31st anniversary, and he was on Hannity. I mean, I'm getting the early numbers were massive uh, in terms of viewership, but more importantly, you know, I, I said it last night. When he started, Linda, we, we know less than 200 talk stations. Talk and news talk is the number one format in all of radio. And a lot of it. He's a trailblazer, man. He, and, he well, started and, it all. You know what? I do stand. I said this last night. I said, I do see similarities with Trump and Rush in, in this regard. And Rush kind of dismissed it. We don't we don't need to get elected. We don't need 50 percent of people to, to for us to be successful. And he's right about that. But being a conservative um, on radio, TV and it, the, the qualities that I want now more than ever and I don't see in Republicans enough, is I want people that say what they mean, mean what they say. And I want people that you, you got to be able, if you're going to jump in this arena, you have to be able to take a hard punch. You just do. If you can't, you're in the wrong business. And so many, I'm just going to stick with Republicans, but Democrats are just as bad. They just, they get to Washington, maybe with the greatest intentions and all the great promises. And then they get hit the first time and it's like they submit, they're tapping out. And I'm like, what happened to you? You know, we know what a perfect example of that is, is, is sass the ass over in Nebraska. That guy had so much promise and look at what a jerk he's turned out to be. And, I, and frankly, we went to bat for him, and I'm, I'm embarrassed I went to bat for that guy after what he's done. And the, the similarities with Rush and Trump are they both have absorbed many, many, many punches. And Rush in the early years in talk rate just took them all. And it made it easier for guys like me to follow and Mark, the great one. Uh, Mark Levin and, and others. And there's so many local guys, Lars, and I, I can't mention it, Joe Pags. If I don't mention everybody, people get mad at me. I love you all. Um, and even people that hate me. There's some people in this business. They can't get over the competitive nature of the business. They just hate They just whatever. I want them to succeed. If they're, if they're going to be a spoke in the wheel that advances conservatism, I'm in. I don't care what you say about me. I'm, it's not about me. It's about the country. It's about us. It's about... You know, the, have you ever seen have you ever witnessed somebody get hit as hard as often as Donald Trump? Well, that was Russia in the early days. But the thing is, Trump just fights hard every single day. He gives 150 percent every single day. The thing I would say to my kids when they were young and playing sports is I never said you have to win. Never, that never came out of my mouth. But I always wanted two things. I wanted effort. I wanted a full effort. And a, and a good attitude about it, win or lose. And, you know, it's sports is mirrors life in a lot of ways, especially individual sports. And you're going to learn from your mistakes, and you learn probably more from losses than you do from wins. Look at the life of Abraham Lincoln. And I just want the Republican Party to stop being so afraid to take a hit. You, got, you, can't, you can't lead if you can't take a punch. And then I want you to put 100% in to fight every day to fulfill your promises. Now, the people that I see in Washington that consistently do that are the Freedom Caucus guys. And guess who gets attacked the most? The Freedom Caucus guys. They can take a punch and they just keep going. 
you know, we're on the radio three hours a day on TV once a night. Thanks to all of you. We have the number one, again, cable show in all of cable news by a lot, you know, which is now a few years. I kid with O'Reilly sometimes when he's on the show. I'm like, all right, you go back to cable. I'll give you the number one slot back. You can take all the crap that goes along with it because there's a lot of crap that goes along with being, you know, in that position. I, I Don't misunderstand me. I am honored. I, I am blessed beyond measure. Rush brought this up last night, and we're very lucky to be able to do what we do, and we only can do this because of all of you in the audience, but I just want to acknowledge 31 years of being in an arena and getting hit and getting punched and taking on all comers and, and just keep pushing on. You know, it's like Rocky with his son. It's not about how hard you, you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving on, keep pushing forward. It's true in life. Why has Rocky touched so many hearts and souls? That franchise is phenomenal. Go back. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Watch it. You know, if you can, you know, I, I've now trained, I think, what is it, year? I think since I was 50 or 51, I think it's my seventh year training mixed martial arts. And I talk about it. Everyone on my team makes fun of me for it. And it's a it's an eclectic blend of different arts. It's Krav Maga, it's it's Kempo, it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's boxing, it's uh blades, firearms, sticks, it's basically situational street fighting. And we have certain designated days. I do it four or five days a week, depending on what my my schedule is like, but I try to do it an hour, fifteen minutes, hour and a half every day. And we do have something called pain day. And the guy that teaches me, my sensei, we don't like to give his real name out. We just refer to him as sensei. And and this is, he, listen, he has black belts in so many varying arts. He is a killer. This guy with his bare hands, I'm telling you, beyond anything you've ever seen. And he's my age and he's strong and he's dense. In, in all these years, I've built muscle I never had in my life. Remember when Reagan got shot and he said, I've started working out. I never thought I could build muscles. I can. And, you know, between the core building and the, and you know, 200 push-ups a day, 200 sit-ups a day, et cetera. But we do pain day. And what's pain day? Pain day is I, I literally stand there, tighten up my gut, and he hits me. And he always drops me on the fifth shot. Why? You know, then I, I put my arms straight out and he pounds them for calcification and density there's all sorts of reasons and why does he do it because if i can't take a punch in practice i'm not going to be able to take a punch if something ever happens you can't be in a street fight and get hit and just collapse and have any chance of winning now i'm not looking for street fights but i do more for exercise than anything else anyway back to that uh glad you're with us by the way president trump fake fraud media mob uh, race baiting overdrive. Trump is a racist. Trump is a racist because he told the truth about Baltimore. Well, the president getting himself involved in this guy, what's his name? Rocky, the rapper. I don't even know who he is. ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky has been released from Swedish custody. And as we wait for a verdict in his trial, sounds like he won't ever be around to hear the verdict because the president tweeted earlier today uh, ASAP Rocky released from prison on his way home to the U.S. from Sweden. <laughs> so get him home as quick as possible. Just don't go back. Um, I want to start with good news today. What, what is good news? 
Well, we've got a record number of Americans working. Remember the remember the statistics I threw out? Still use them. People accuse me of being repetitive. I do it very, very strategically. It's a tactical thing. If I'm in an election year, I want everybody to be able to repeat my list. 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Remember I said that? All through 2016. Yeah, we now have set a record this month of Americans. The number of people employed in this country hit a record 157,288,000 in July. Now, here's an even better story. Well, we find out that the president created 16,000 new manufacturing jobs just in the last month. Uh, The best number in manufacturing since January. Here's another great statistic. Black employment in this country, African-Americans in July, 19,481,000. That is the highest number ever recorded since they started tallying the data in 1972. Now, I know that the president gets attacked and, you know, oh, the president's racist. No, the president's not racist. Why is it that during the compassionate years where liberals are in charge of the economy and everything else and they have a monopoly of compassion for every demographic group out there, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, why is it their policies lead to poverty? Why is it that we add 13 million Americans to food stamps and another 8 million Americans into poverty how is it trump creates seven million new jobs in all of those demographics we have record high record setting employment seven million fewer people now on food stamps seven million jobs have been created and we have seven and a half million jobs available right now that means jobs to be filled by americans and by and we haven't even touched do you want to talk about raising the standard of living of every american wait till we get rolling with energy i keep telling you it's going to be this it's going to be like a gold rush for the united states if we do this right and you know how come manufacturing is coming back manufacturing is coming back in ohio and michigan and wisconsin and pennsylvania yeah the four key states that will determine who's the next president why is it coming back? Why did the Joe's jobs go away? Well, you can argue unions on one level in Detroit and in a auto manufacturer, but put that aside. The other is the standards that were set by bureaucrats in Washington. In other words, the burdensome regulation. Every time they pass a regulation, well, the car companies now have to pay that much more to produce their products and makes them less competitive. And then the next step is then they tax them into oblivion to the point they say, the hell with this. We don't have these regulations in Mexico. We don't have these regulations in Central America. We don't have these regulations elsewhere. We don't have these taxes elsewhere. We can make a bigger profit. We'd rather have the jobs and we don't want to mothball this huge, beautiful factory that's been in existence since the Model T. But we're going to have to. That's what Trump has done. And who's benefiting? Well, the working men and women. What do we call them in 2016? The forgotten men and women of this country. 
What is that painting in my studio that I look at every day? The Forgotten Man by John McNaughton. He's a painter. Uh, McNaughton. That's what I said. And he's a uh, he's an artist. And I, I want that because I kind of identify with the Forgotten Man. That was my whole life. Never grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, I had to work for everything. And financially independent since I'm 10. And my parents, when I dropped out of school because I had no more money, my parents were furious, screaming, why don't you, I go, I'm going to work, I'll make money, and then I'll go back, which I did. And I ran out of money again and, and didn't finish. But they were furious. They said, we'll get you the money. They didn't have the money. I wasn't going to take their retirement money. I'm like, no freaking way. I'm not, I'm not taking your money. And that's what they were getting at. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. So, you know, I went to work and... You know, I think being a blue collar worker for 20 years of my life, it made me into the person I am. Best thing that ever happened. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show. All right, so we got record numbers of Americans employed. Another record uh, set for African-American unemployment. And we, you know, we, we got an opportunity as, and we'll get into this later in the show, you know, this concentration camp talking point analogy about the detention centers uh, we sent cameras down there at Fox. What do we see? We saw cots, blankets, pillows. We saw food, water, shelter. We saw soccer fields. We saw recreation facilities. We saw telephones. We saw TVs. We saw medical attention. We saw baby formula, diapers, all of which is being distributed to the best of our ability. And again, to people that didn't respect our laws, borders, sovereignty, uh, and constitution. And yet so many false lying narratives, comparisons to Auschwitz concentration camps. So this then evolves into something that we've been following. And, and we sent our correspondent and friend Lawrence Jones to, let's see, Nancy Pelosi's district. We showed you all the needles and the feces and the defecation and the, and the urinating and drug use going on. Then the new the, the, the homeless encampments in L.A. We've been to Ocasio-Cortez's district to talk about her. And now we're seeing and, and we're bringing into focus what is the disaster of Baltimore, Baltimore. And, and what do all these cities have in common? Baltimore ranked the most dangerous big city by USA Today in 2018. What do we see about what? Why is it these cities? Again, Democrats claim a monopoly of compassion for all of these minority groups. They run these big cities for decades. Often elections, race cards are played. And what do we see? We got Baltimore. We got people, garbage, mounting violence, 17,000 empty homes. It's the least safe city in America. Almost twice the number of murders on a per capita basis than even Chicago, the most dangerous city in America. More people murdered in Baltimore than ever before. 2018, more people murdered in Baltimore they're, they're rate higher than the country of Honduras and Baltimore's murder rate rising again. A 16% increase from last year and a 28% increase of non-fatal shootings. 17,000 abandoned structures. Zero students in Baltimore high schools, 13 of them. Zero proficient in math. Five schools, high schools, zero kids proficient in math and English. Even the unemployment rate is the third highest of any city in America. Poverty, 
Exposing left-wing media bias. No stone left unturned. The Sean Hannity Show is back on the air. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Well, I just think every once in a while, it's kind of a good thing to say, you know, wow, some good news. We have a record number of Americans employed. We have the best creation of manufacturing jobs, 16,000. That's the best number since January. Uh, Why did manufacturing leave Ohio and Detroit and other places in Michigan and and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania? Why? Burdensome regulation, confiscatory taxation, the exact model that the new Green Deal would offer you. And, you know, to the president's credit, his policies, there is a direct correlation. There's a reason Obama went and, 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 you know, Solyndra and the stimulus package and government intervention and higher taxes and you didn't build that and spread the wealth around. And by the way, now Democrats, they're just trashing Obama. I mean, you've got the media rushing to defend Obama after the attacks this week in the in the Democratic debates and even Rom Rombo Deadfish and other Clintonites like Bagala, they're they're beside themselves that the Democrats have gone this far nuts to the left, even though they really believe it, except they're just smarter smarter in as much politically, they just don't say it. But these are the policies they want. And Deadfish claim it, well, it's nuts for Democrats to attack Obama at a primary debate and Magala say Democrats setting themselves up to lose to Trump by running far to the left. Well, you know, look at sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe. I mean, he's he's flipped and flopped and flailed on everything. And then Begala even saying Biden has a long voting record. He voted for the war of 1812. Explain to me how then any of Biden's opponents can effectively because mm-hmm. that's how this all came about. Right. Any of Biden's opponents can effectively take on Joe Biden whose resume includes being Obama's vice president, without taking on his time being vice president. That's a fair point, and you have to be careful about it. Take some art. These are brilliant people on the debate stage. I watched them. Also, it turns out, and I know this because I'm a trained professional, Joe Biden has a record long before he joined the Obama administration. He voted for the war against 18, of 1812. Okay? <laughs> he's, he's been in Joe Biden says none of that, the, his, his opposition, the vote, his vote for the war of 1812 should be under consideration because it lacks context now. Uh, look, I think Axelrod nailed it. And I, I, I will say this. I do have a respect for Axelrod. I think he's smart. I don't like his politics, but I think he's a smart strategist. And, um, you know, this is probably, he said, the best you're going to get out of sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe. He just, it's not in him. And the president was all over it last night. He sees it. He, he senses the weakness. He's, he's great at this. You know, President Trump is a fighter. President Trump goes to play. I wish Republicans would learn from him. I wish they can take a punch and I wish they'd fight with the intensity that Trump fights for his agenda, for the promises he made. Listen, it's good politics. You get reelected if you keep your promises. You want to be reelected? Keep your promises. Fight hard for the things you said you're going to fight for. You know, look at the moment. No, Nobody can figure out even still 30330. What is what does this mean? And the funny thing is another Democratic candidate took actually registered the number to get the donations. But what is Biden saying here? You got that? This is the United States of America. We've acted together. We have never, never, never been unable to overcome whatever the problem was. If you agree with me, go to Joe 303 
3-0 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. Nobody knew what it was. And which which one of the Democratic hopefuls? No, the problem is, is that he thought it was a website. It's not a website. It's like, no, that you know, would be a text. That's that a would, text. That and be, so yeah. then Andrew Yang, very smartly, had his they, team go out and buy it. the website. He's Brilliant. like, yeah, sure, I'll take your donations. Come Brilliant. Here. It was, br- awesome. was a great jujitsu move. And the, I'm watching the president last night. Now, you think of the crowds the president has. He's got he people are appreciating his fight. Now, how much of the president? All right. Three simple questions. Are we better off than we were before Donald Trump was elected president? OK, it speaks for itself. Record is there. Did he keep his promises? Records are there. Is the president going to lose is he losing enthusiasm among the people that that passionately went out and voted for him in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin and Ohio and North Carolina and Florida? No, I don't see that at all. And and he, does he have a shot? Maybe. Can he make the case that in spite of their rhetoric and and the predictable use of the race card, that the policies of the president and conservatism, deregulation, lower taxes, controlling the borders, that it is an energy independence for the first time in 75 years, that that's resulting in a rising tide lifting all boats. And now we got a record number of Americans employed demographically, African-Americans, another new record set uh, uh, set today, uh, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace. I mean, does he get credit for that at all? And he rightly said and pointed out the Democratic Party is now being led by four left wing radical extremists and and every Democratic candidate is sucking up to them. But those policies will bankrupt us. And Trump was right. The wasted money on inner cities, one point eight billion Obama stimulus dollars. I mean, what did Baltimore get for that? I was just reading you the statistics before we went to the break. Nothing. The president's policies are rebuilding the Midwest. And it's piece by piece. The jobs Obama said are never coming back are coming back. That's great. And and as a blue-collar guy myself, I'm like, this is great. Energy jobs that pay the train and pay truck drivers 80 grand a year to start. I'm all for it. You know. The, the, the lies about concentration camps. Look at that boomerangs back on Democrats because now the president starts talking about Baltimore. And what do we know about Baltimore? How is it even possible? The, these numbers with the amounts of money that are spent in Baltimore. And then it wasn't just Trump. Then we find out, well, the mayor said it about the rats and and Obama said it and Bernie Sanders said it and Trump says it. And it must be racism. No, if I had a choice, now nobody wants to be in a detention facility, but it did have soccer fields, recreational uh, activities, medical attention, medicines, food, water, cots, blankets, pillows, baby formula, diapers. It's all there. Nobody's being, it's safe. It's safer than Baltimore. Um, I'd rather stay, where are you going to stay? In, in Baltimore, in these areas or that we're talking about? Or you, would you rather be in a detention center? It's a horrible choice. You want your freedom. How is it possible? That we have allowed such deterioration in in these cities run for decades by the most compassionate liberal Democrats. How is it possible a mile away from Nancy Pelosi's gated community in one direction and her office in the other direction? You've got what is the equivalent of Needle Park with used needles all over the place. 
the smell of feces everywhere in the air, people urinating and defecating and shooting up right there in broad daylight every day, a mile in each direction, there's Nancy Pelosi's place. How does that happen? How do you allow piles of garbage and rats and you don't do anything about it? You know, where is the squad taking on the squalor in these big cities run by their friends, their liberal Democrats, the very things they want to now impose on us? How do you how is it possible the amount of violence that is taking place, the, the, the murder rate higher in Baltimore than in the country of Honduras? How does that happen? How does it happen? Now, I know we're busy in our daily lives, but when you stop and reflect and you see that there are 13 high schools where not a single kid is proficient in math, not one. And you got five high schools where not a single kid is proficient in math or English. You got a median household income of $11,000 less than the national average, 22% poverty rate. And it's not just Baltimore. It's pretty. It's look at Chicago. All due respect to Rom, Rombo Deadfish. I and mean, he didn't do anything to stop the violence and the poverty in his city. Elijah Cummings has to confirm that his house was burglarized while he was inside. And he, well, why is he criticizing the non-concentration camps that aren't? Look at his own. Look, he even said about the poverty in his own 20 years ago, 1999, he said it. This morning. I left my community of Baltimore, a drug-infested area, where a lot of the drugs that we're talking about today have already taken the lives of so many children. The same children that I watched 14 or 15 years ago as they grew up, now walking around like zombies. He's saying it. He is saying it himself, just like the African-American mayor, just like, oh, uh, Bernie Sanders. Trump says it must be racist. You know, the, the president's right to just zero in on this failure because now this is where they want to take the country. This is the new green deal. This is it. But which we now find from the Competitive Enterprise Institute <laughs> study this week. Let's see. If the new Green Deal is implemented, it would cost the average household at least $70,000 in increased costs for electricity, vehicle upgrades, housing in the first year of implementation alone. Now, AOC says, well, you know, why, why are we talking about how to pay for it? We only have 10 years. You know, what about the guy in the debate, whoever it was that said, we better head to higher ground now because of all this. The, the chief of staff of AOC admitting this isn't about climate change. It's never been about climate change. Okay, but we're going to eliminate all oil and gas in 10 years. The lifeblood of our economy. At the point where we're now for the first time in 75 years energy independent, we're going to take the greatest source of wealth creation, what could be a national gold rush financially, and raise the standard of living of every American. We can, we're just going to throw it down the drain, but we're going to support, let's see, jobs and, and you know, well, uh, for everybody at a certain sustaining wage, all family medical leave, vacations, uh, retrofit everything. How's, who's going to pay for that? Uh, we're going to have pre-K education. We're going to have college. We're going to have trade schools, free, 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 uh, guaranteed clean air and water, guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed high... Quality health care. How did Obamacare work out for you? 
guaranteed, safe, affordable, adequate housing? What about economic environment, free of monopolies? All of this. Okay, how are you going to pay for any of this? Well, the, the Blasio said we're going to tax the hell out of the rich. All right, that means we're going to steal from them and we're going to give to another group. How does, the, how does this party, as I've chronicled, every two, four years, and now it's almost every day, get away, they play the race card. Look at their track record. Um, I did see the Washington Post, New York Times op-eds actually blasting all the top presidential contenders for rallying to Al Sharpton's defense. Um, after, you know, well, finally, I mean, we've been playing those Sharpton tapes for years. And they still, you know, go and, and meet Al Sharpton, kiss the ring, beg for his endorsement. All right, we got other news I want to get to, too. We, so we have a, everything that we've been telling you about the deep state, the DOJ inspector general referring Jim Comey for possible prosecution. I know many of you are upset that the attorney general has not acted yet on this. And he, as of now, has declined prosecution. And I, I was clear violations of the Espionage Act. It's he had the the government documents. They were classified. They were in his home. We didn't know. But now we know, thanks to Tom Fitt and Judicial Watch, that, in fact, the FBI went to Comey's home a month after he was fired. They got the documents back and they interrogated him. Uh, I'm watching what's happening. and I'm checking with every source I have. And he's saying, you know, he said to Lou Dobbs and Dobbs is asking a good question. Is there any reason for me, everyone watching for you and Victoria to think we're actually going to see the scoundrels who made up the leadership of the Department of Justice, those who abuse power, the Geneva says yes. And by any traditional standard, this thing is moving at a lightning speed. And he said in a very short period of time, Durham has interviewed, I understand, dozens of potential witnesses and moved into setting up a grand jury. And often you don't know when grand juries are set up. Um, adding that people need to be reasonable in their expectations. I agree with the Geneva. When we get to the truth and we get to the bottom of all of this, it will blow even the fake news media, the mob, are going to have to admit everything we said about a rigged Hillary investigation, premeditated fraud against the FISA courts, spying on, well, denying the constitutional rights of many, any basically anyone who was in the Trump campaign, uh, lying to get warrants to spy on the campaign, trying to disseminate the dirty dossier, which they determined 90 plus percent of it was just totally false. Hillary paid for it. Interesting. The New York Times admits that it was probably from the get go. Uh, it was Russian disinformation. That would mean Putin knew that would mean Putin knew that Hillary was going to use it. That would mean that Putin was probably trying to help Hillary. Oh, I wonder if the media will admit that mistake. But all of all of these abuses, all of the spying abroad, the outsourcing of intelligence uh, methods that would be illegal in the U.S. So we give them to our allies and say, well, you do this for me. I'll do this for you. And then, of course, having spy rings, you know, Stefan Halper and Professor Misford and others, you know, going after Papadopoulos, Clovis and 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 Carter Page all in the name of finding Russia. And they withheld all the exculpatory info. It's going to blow. I'm telling you, I can't. You couldn't stop it if you wanted to. The radical Democrats even support deadly sanctuary cities, which release dangerous criminals onto our streets. Sanctuary cities. 
And many of the places that have sanctuary cities and many of the people that live there, they don't want them. They don't want them. They're dangerous. They're not good. Here are just a few examples. In San Francisco, an illegal alien was arrested no fewer than 10 times in the span of less than one year for numerous counts of burglary and theft. Yet each time San Francisco defied federal authorities and set him free. And bad things happened when they set him free. A sanctuary jurisdiction in California recently released a criminal alien from jail. The very next month, the same individual was arrested for rape. And then beyond anything you would even believe, a horrible thing happened. But yet again, he was released back into your community. After a sanctuary city in New Jersey released an alien charged with domestic violence, he was arrested in Missouri for the murders of three people. In the bizarre worldview of the third and hard left, they have no problem destroying the lives of innocent Americans for a single politically incorrect thought. But they want to virtually, and you know this, you know this, they want virtual immunity for illegal aliens who have committed horrible crimes and murder. Horrible crimes and murder. Republicans believe our cities should be a sanctuary for law-abiding Americans, not criminal aliens. Our laws uh, prevent us from holding people more than 20 days and, and uh, because we can't get the information, we're probably releasing them even sooner than that in, in, in many cases, correct? That's absolutely correct. With respect to family units, since March of this year, United States Border Patrol has been releasing family units directly. So in some cases, they're being released in under 48 hours into the interior United States. The big scam of the whole address was that there's a crisis. There's not a crisis. Folks, the president has manufactured one heck of a political crisis for himself. Donald Trump is manufacturing a national security crisis. You will hear them message. say mm -hmm. is that this is a manufactured crisis. It's not a national security crisis. It remains a Seinfeld shutdown. Seinfeld all presidency. About, uh, all about nothing. What happens when there is a real crisis? When there is a real emergency? Does he take to the airwaves? Do we give him the airwaves? Do we believe him? Some question if there is a crisis at all, as the president has claimed. There is not a crisis at the border. It's a manufactured crisis for the president to get a political win. The crisis can have, as we see now, a very elastic definition. He's determined to convince you there is a crisis at the border, even though an intelligence official tells CNN, quote, no one is saying this is a crisis except them. Uh, nobody's saying a crisis except that, well, the crisis is obvious, but it's also obvious where people stand on the issue of the border. You know, the, if we have not learned anything over the course of the last couple of nights and the debates and where the left is in this country, and we don't just listen to them, they don't want to solve this problem. They don't see it as a problem, and they don't seem to care the impact it has on we, the American people, the taxpayers that have to put all this money down and, yes, pay for their health care, pay for their housing. After all, it's concentration camps we're putting people in. None of that is true. Anyway, joining us, Representative Mark Green, Tennessee, uh, Andy Biggs, Arizona, both members. Thank God we have that Freedom Caucus. 
both back from a border trip hosted by Representative Green. Uh, uh, Congressman Green is also a pediatrician, wanted to see firsthand what was happening. Uh, welcome back, both of you. I want to I start with one thing, and I'll start with you, Dr. Green, and that's, it's real simple. You know, Griff Jenkins went down there for Fox News, and I saw the facilities and the soccer fields and the recreation areas. I saw the medical attention being given to the detainees. I see the food, the water, the medicine, the medical care, the blankets, the diapers, the baby formula, the cots, the blankets, the pillows. Uh, it's not Auschwitz, and it's I granted it's not ideal, but these people did not obey our laws and respect our sovereignty, did they? No, no, they didn't. And Sean, let me just say first, thanks for having us on the show, and and two, Andy actually set this trip up. Andy Biggs uh, set the trip up, uh, but you're absolutely right. Nothing. Nothing could be further from the truth uh, what the Democrats are saying is going on down there. Uh, They actually record when an individual needs a shower. They go to them and say, hey, it's your turn to get a shower. You know, this notion that they're they're not getting showers, they're not being taken. Food at the ICE detention facility, they're actually using the same dietitian and the same menu that our men and women in Fort Bliss, Texas are using. So the, the same food that is being fed to our soldiers is being fed to them in their three hots every day. So this notion that it's some kind of a, a concentration camp is a blatant and disturbing falsehood. You know, it's it's amazing how this has evolved as a national conversation, especially when the president brought up uh, Elijah Cummings district. Again, he was, you know, like all Democrats talking points about the border that are not accurate, not true. Um, and, and, and I watch all of this and I'm like, wow. And then I give out all the statistics about Baltimore. And the, the violence, the poverty, the, the rat infestation, the 17,000 empty homes that exist there, the drug problem. And then we see Obama address those issues. And then the former mayor addressed those issues. Uh, and even Elijah Cummings addressed those issues and, and others. And it only becomes an issue, Andy Biggs, if Donald Trump makes the same observations as they did. Then it's racist. Yeah, that's right, because they, there's, that's their talking point. They, they don't have any policy prescriptions to make this country better. They think the country's crappy and terrible. Donald Trump is positive, and he connects with the people. He leads, this, he leads the country in a positive way, and he calls out people who aren't doing it and not helping us. And so the, so the Democrats jump all over him, and they don't jump all over him and say, well, you know what, it's really better than, you, than you're saying. They say he's a racist. When the Democrats tell lies about the border and the Border Patrol, we come in, we show them data, we tell them stories, we give them the facts to undercut and undermine their lies. And, I, you know, I'm just sick and tired of this double standard of the Democrats. It's, it's ridiculous. It's gotten out of hand. It's either true or it's not true. Are the children being taken care of? Now, Border Patrol, ICE, yeah, they've, they have had had difficulty distinguishing real families from fake families. That's just a fact. But from what I understand and the people I've talked to and the people that I've interviewed, uh, they're doing their very best to, to, to ascertain the truth of, of every situation. And 30 percent of families crossing the border are fraudulent, meaning that adults have kidnapped or, quote, rented a child to illegally get into this country with a reduced threat of prosecution. Is that is that a fact? I'll ask you both. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. The, the, the numbers that I like to tell people are 30, 60, 90. 30% of the families that show up are fraudulent families, meaning that they 
were, they're either renting a child or they've captured a child. It doesn't belong to that family, 30%. And that means they instantly get a visa into the United States if, they, you know, if there is a family. So let's say they, they do their calculations and they do the DNA and they say, okay, this is a family. They immediately go into the United States. They, they're not holding them for the 20 days. CBP is just releasing them into the countries. Of those individuals, 60% show up for the actual court date three years later. Well, and of those, 90% will be found that they need to leave the country. So it's, 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 it's a crazy system. So a couple of decisions, country. though, have been made here. The, the reallocation, when the president de- declared the emergency at the border, which past presidents have done on, on many issues, uh, and we do know that legislatively the president has the authority to build borders. Uh, I've cited the bill many times on this program, and constitutionally, you know, when there are drug corridors, as commander in chief, he has the constitutional duty, never mind authority, an absolute duty to protect the country from the drugs flowing in. And but the president now has been able to reallocate defense funds on top of the money that was appropriated by Congress. Um, I know one of the Washington papers suggesting that there hasn't been any new wall built at all. The administration fighting back and, and actually sending out videos. Look at the new wall and look at the repaired wall. Where are we in terms of miles, Andy Biggs, because this is where you're from? Yeah, well, you're seeing there's been about 100 miles. And, and what is happening is they say there's no new fences because they think a Normandy barrier, which is just a metal a spike, basically, that anybody can crawl over, walk under. There are places there's no, none at all. They're replacing those with a bollard fencing, uh, 18 to 30 feet high, which is going to be a great deterrent. That's what the president's done. And with this new money that's coming in, Arizona is going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 40, 50 miles uh, that we need desperately. And, uh, you know, when I was de- when we were in El Paso, we, we saw how the fence works. You got a fence and the people aren't going over it. They're walking around it because what you know, you know what you need? More fence. You need more fence. And so. So where are we? In terms of how many more miles of fence need to be built with the reallocated defense billions and the appropriated billions 1.35 and from congress where are we in terms of the money miles need to be built repairs need to be made where are we well the court uh, has actually oh, go ahead andy no no go ahead mark well the court is actually you know the the supreme court has allowed the president to go forward with the utilization of the money that he he got from unspent dollars from dod so that that has been the stay has been lifted so the president is moving forward i know as as andy mentioned there's been about a hundred miles built uh in this with this uh, calendar budget, and that should that extra money from DOD is going to significantly increase that number. Well, okay. Now, how are we actually? Is there any area of detention? And I know, by the way, the squad didn't vote for the money for the detention upgrades and facility upgrades, which would have been nice, considering they're griping the loudest and making these Nazi comparisons with pure yeah. abandon. The media mob doesn't care. Um, but do you see any of the facilities that maybe need an upgrade, that maybe need, that, that there are, there is a need for more appropriations? Well, you know, Sean, what they need is, they just need some more soft-sided um, um, facilities for people to stay at um, while they're there. Um, and right now, because of, of President Trump's policies in Mexico helping out and his, and his threat to deport people, you've actually seen a slowdown in the numbers, but you still have about 3,000 a day that are being apprehended. So it's, the facilities are there. They're, they're actually calmed down. The numbers are easily handleable, handleable now, but we expect another surge. Should Mexico say, okay, we, you know, the deployment's over, you're done. We expect another surge when the weather gets a little bit cooler. 
And so uh, I think you need some more soft-sided facilities, but you also need more judges. You need more uh, either technical or, or physical courtrooms to deal with it uh, to, to, to the of the flux. And I'm just telling you, we have to change. Congress has to change the laws to like the Flores yeah. uh, ruling. So that has to be changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's the laws that are driving the incentives, and that's the most important that, that, and it means that Congress has been the one that's really failed the nation here. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll have more with Mark Green of Tennessee, Congressman Green and Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona on the other side. All right, as we continue with Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee, he's actually a medical doctor, and Andy Biggs of Arizona, who just got back from the border. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think the president, and what I like about the president, if he can't get it one way, he's going to go the other way. And, yeah, and I know a lot of people, conservatives at the time, were critical at his choice of not going at it legislatively and, and saying, no, I'm going to use emergency uh, powers and make an emergency declaration. And then he had to go through congressional votes on it. They weren't able to override his veto. And in fact, now the court has ruled that it is appropriate, at least it's been deemed appropriate to reappropriate the funds, as has been done by past administrations but I don't know if you're ever going to get any of these Democrats ever to give the money that's needed to fully protect the border. And by the way, I, I support immigration. I'm just asking people that want to come here to do it legally so we can vet you, so we can make sure you're capable of taking care of yourself and you want no harm to any American. It's not that hard to, to do or ask for. Sean, you're no, exactly I, right. We, we bring in a, over a million people legally every year. And this year we're going to have a, a, another million illegally come in. And, and Congress has got to step The Democrats are never going to give us the money. They're not going to help us out. Um, and so we're, we have to just get in there and fight the fight. And that's why I like President Trump. I'm with you, John, on that. President Trump needed to do what he needed to do, which is to take extraordinary measures, declare the emergency, access the statutes, and go forward. But you saw even then the radical uh, courts at the lower level, all stepped in and said, oh, no, he can't do this. Thank, thank goodness for the Supreme Court coming in and saying yes. And, and uh, I think I'm glad he's, he's pressing forward with that and has pressed forward where Congress yeah. has been feckless. Uh, great job, both of you. Uh, I love when actually people go down, look for themselves, make real conclusions based on real conditions on the ground. Both of you deserve credit. Although it wasn't that big a deal for Andy Biggs, considering he lives there. So I don't want to give him too much credit, Congressman Green. I, I got to um, tell you, Sean, I actually did a ride-along at night with the CBP guys. Yeah. I, I felt like I was back in the Army, and it was it was. It's awesome. awesome. I've done it. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah All right, I got to awesome. roll. Guys, uh, Mark Green, Congressman, thank you. Tennessee, Andy Biggs, Arizona, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You are going to love our next guest. And then we have our... Wide open news roundup information Friday overload. We'll have some fun on a Friday and get to your calls straight ahead. We find a way. Gotta always find a way. Just this week, she refused to condemn the Antifa. These are bad people. You notice? You notice they always attack people that really have never been attacked before. They attack, and I don't want to be disrespectful to people that have taken a lot of shots to the face, but they wouldn't attack some of these people in this room. They're not attacking bikers for Trump. They're not attacking construction workers for Trump. They're not attacking law enforcement or military for Trump. You know, they're attacking a single man standing there with a camera 
who never got hit and never hit back before in his life. They don't attack the people that we wish they attacked. That wouldn't be a pretty picture. That wouldn't look, that, that wouldn't look too good for them. But they don't. It's very, very sad. Antifa, these are bad people. These are sick, bad people. Remember that. These are bad people. These are bad people, Antifa. They don't get the bad press. The press doesn't want to talk to them. They are very evil. They're hitting people over the head with sticks. And I mean sticks. I mean bats, even. They're whacking people with bats. They're very brave. They always show up with a mask and they're covered. Because then they go home to mom and dad. They don't want mom and dad to know where they were. But they always attack people that really can't defend themselves very well, right? They're not attacking this group. They're not attacking North Carolina. people what they would do if President Trump were to show up at this march. Some of the answers have been pretty stunning. Uh, here they are. What would you do if Donald Trump showed up at the truck? Murder him? Murder him for the people? How about you, man? Man, I'll tell Trump to get on the, f on the floor and scrub those toilets himself because he don't know how to f clean. He needs to learn. He needs to learn how to clean? Scrub some toilets? Yeah. I mean, yo, he's America's Caesar, except he's a head. So, we gotta take him down. Trump! 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 If it came down to it and it was a group effort, we'd have to do him like Gaddafi. Like Gaddafi? Yeah. What would you do if Donald Trump showed up? Yeah, no, I'm gonna wild out. You'd, You'd wild, wild out? out? Yeah. Yeah? You'd him up? Yeah. To be honest, right. if I get a chance to, I would do that. What's that? If I get a tattoo, f him up, I would. Chance to f him up, you would. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What would you do? I would just, I'd smack him. Smack him? Yes. Yeah. I would smack the out of him, son. Like that? Like, for real. Yeah. All right. How about you, sir? I'd smack him, too. But it'd be like a pimp slap. Like... Pimp slap? Not a pimp slap. If the president showed up at this march, what would you do, sir? Beat his ass. Beat his ass? If Trump showed up today, what would you do, sir? I'd throw the bell at him. You throw a bell at him? Yeah, why not? All right, what would you say? Tell him to f off. <laughs> All right, what, what's that shirt say? Trump is a off, bitch. I piss on his leg. What's that? I piss on his leg. If he was out here, I would tell his wife to go home and for him to get on his jet and get the f out of here too. Get out of here? Yeah. And Melania to get out of here too? Yeah, because you know, he, he, uh, he hates everybody, but he forgets his wife is uh, a immigrant too. Um. I wouldn't say anything, because if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Now, we just played. By the way, glad you're with us. 23 now until the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number. That's two straight minutes of Antifa protesters threatening to kill or to harm President Trump. Now, we've heard it from Hollywood stars. Uh, let's see, Madonna, I think an awful lot about... Uh, blowing up the White House, Johnny Depp. When's the last time an actor has killed the president? And it goes on from there. 
I mean, real threats against the real president made by real people. Oh, and let me show you, Kathy Griffin, a, a severed head of the president of the United States. But that's not a threat in any way. I wonder, you know, if you if you take some of these words and you have a Democratic president, let's say it's Barack Obama. How do you think the country, the media mob reacts then? How do you think they what, what do they do at that moment? Now, what's fascinating about this is the president's been willing to take on Antifa. And we have have played, you know, for example, Black Lives Matter. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? And what are pigs in a blanket? Fry them like bacon. All coming from the left. And a lot of anger coming from the left. A lot of days. Now, it's interesting because we've been spending a lot of time on the FBI. And uh, and this is not related to what the deep state is about, but in a way it is because now we have Congressman uh, Jim Banks, who's going to join us here in a second. He's prepared a letter to the FBI requesting that they create a new subsection of extremist ideologies entitled anti-First Amendment extremists and add Antifa to the list. Now, Jim Banks is from Indiana. He's asking the FBI to add a new subsection to its list of extremist ideologies that would include Antifa According to a letter to the FBI director, Chris Ray, uh, that was provided to the Hill and John Solomon. And while the FBI declines to keep public or an official list of domestic terrorist organizations, it does outline extremist ideologies. And I read actually it was pretty interesting that Christopher Ray apparently is added to those conspiracy theorists. Well, that would be pretty much everybody that works over a conspiracy TV uh, Roswell, Rachel Maddow and company and MSDNC. And that, that pretty much includes all of the media. Anyway, joining us now is Congressman Banks of Indiana. Uh, sir, I read your letter. I'm interested in your letter. Um, what has the reaction been? Well, so far, we're waiting for the FBI to get back with us, Sean. I mean, my, as you said, it's really unbelievable that the FBI hasn't done this already. If they act like terrorists, if they dress like terrorists, if they use the same tactics as terrorists, then we should treat them as terrorists. And, and as you said, my, my letter is simple. All it does is calls on the FBI to do something that they should have done long ago and create a separate subsection for anti-First Amendment extremists, list Antifa and the type of tactics um, that they use uh, to that list, and then treat uh, give, give more scrutiny and treat Antifa uh, like uh, what they are, which is a domestic terrorist organization. Now, what about specific acts of violence? Have you chronicled those? Well, we have. I, I mean, mean there's, listen, there's let's be honest here. Right? Words are one thing. And it, it really does get into very difficult constitutional intellectual argument and threading needles here. And I know we we all have um, an understanding. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, but for the most part, People, even radicals and even extremists, have the right to say horrible, evil, dumb, stupid things. And although there are laws, I guess, against making terroristic threats against individuals, that I know exists, right? Well, that's right. I mean, if you go to the, the FBI website, they, it says uh, very specifically, quote, it is legal to have hateful or extremist beliefs as long as you don't commit crimes of violence based on those beliefs, end quote. Uh, it's clear that Antifa has violated the spirit uh, of that law, we should list their tactics on this website to provide the FBI a link 
to provide more scrutiny their, to their activities. That's what I'm calling on them to do. It's unbelievable they haven't done that already. And when we look at t- t- these d- different individual terrorist groups, for example, the Southern Poverty Law Center, they, they just seem to think that anybody that is a conservative is a hate group. Um, have they gotten money from the federal government? Well, I, I don't know about that, Sean, but really the hypocrisy on the left is, is, uh, is unbelievable in this case. There, there is not a single a Democrat official or even a figure on the left who has called out the tactics of Antifa. I've been in touch with Andy now. Um, you've well documented the, the circumstance of his beating by Antifa in Portland, Oregon, just weeks ago. Uh, he was on Capitol Hill last week. Uh, but, but just last night, he messaged me and said that not a single uh, public official in his home state in Oregon has called out uh, these activities. I, I think partly that's because they're afraid to. I mean, Antifa has been effective at uh, at diminishing the free speech and the freedom of the press uh, in, in places where they're active uh, to call out their activities. But that that needs to be done. That's why I'm. That's why I've written this letter. Letter. Other Republicans on Capitol Hill, like Senator Ted Cruz, have drawn attention to this circumstance. But um, the the FBI uh, can take a simple step in this case. To list uh, these types of activities uh, on their extremist ideology list, and uh, and provide greater a greater uh, a level of scrutiny to those activities, as I hope that they will. All right, Congressman Banks, keep us updated on the issue. All the best to you and our friends in Indiana. Um, 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit the phones. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. News Roundup information overload at the top of the hour. All right, let's get to our busy telephones, 800-941-SEAN. News Roundup information overload next. Uh, I want to say hi to Eric. He's in Vegas on KDON Radio. Eric, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Sean, and thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I'm honored that you did call. Well, I would just like to talk about uh, the Attorney General Barr and his decision on uh, why he did not decide to prosecute Jim Comey at this time. Um, I understand that there's probably other crimes and more deeper issues that are at stake. However, I know that you can charge someone and then rebook them on different charges at a later date. Um, is there any reason why he... All true. That I, it's, it's so funny because initially I, I, I was right where you are. I really was. And then I, I started asking other questions um, as you know, look, we've covered this now, and it's amazing that we're finally getting to that point. And what you're referring to for people that may just be joining us, Michael Horowitz's recommendation uh, that there could be criminal prosecution against Jim Comey, two specific issues, one violating the Espionage Act and all related matters, government documents on his private property. We didn't know that a month after Comey was fired that the FBI actually went and interrogated him which really raises bizarre questions about his behavior. But it, it clearly is a violation of 18 U.S.C. 793 and the other, the other violations that I have discussed in detail. And why I shifted my thinking is I just, I've gotten enough pieces of information that I'm putting together. Now, remember, they're not going to tell me everything. So I talk to one source, then I talk to another source, then I talk to another source, and then a story begins to emerge and a theory begins to emerge in my mind. And so far we've gotten it, thank God, right, because if we get it wrong, we're going to be in big trouble. But what I've concluded here is, is that that is the low-hanging fruit. That's just that's off to the side at the moment. The attorney general is going to pay much more attention 
to much bigger issues, not to I, I don't want to make or render insignificant the Espionage Act or having confidential top secret information in one's possession outside of the government offices, which is a clear violation of the law or his lack of candor. You know, Papadopoulos, Michael Cohn, Paul Manafort, General Flynn, they're they're all experiencing what Comey is being alleged to have committed here. But I think when we get to the bottom of the warnings about FISA, him signing the first FISA warrant, him not knowing and being warned it was unverifiable. And then I think we go off into this whole other section where the intelligence community Comey involved or not, Brennan Clapper certainly have to be, but the other venue that they went to use to spy on the Trump campaign transition and then presidency, and that would be, you know, the outsourcing of illegal intelligence gathering against Americans and literally hiring outside spies abroad, again, to circumvent U.S. laws for the purpose of creating this false narrative insurance policy. I I think that's where it's going to lead to. And I'm pretty well, confident I, that's where it's headed. And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be patient on it, is, is my conclusion. I'm willing to be patient on it, too, Sean. But, you know, you touched on the intelligence agency. The Democratic Party has used our government to weaponize against political party and the people. The Tea Party was shut down by the You're IRS. right. The taxes, okay. everything. And it all comes out to be true after. You're right. But I, I, I am going to tell you, I just have a, a certain peace and a confidence about all this that it's got it's going to be gotten to the bottom of i i know information i'm putting information together i don't want to i know it's heading in the direction that i've always believed it would head and you know it's hard for me to tell people all the time all right be patient it's happening but you can see it's you now know it's happening i mean this was a big big revelation this week uh recommending or or sending recommendations for possible prosecution of Jim Comey, but that's the smallest of all the issues we're talking about. So my advice is hang on, be patient. The wheels of justice move slowly at times, but I do believe we're going to get equal justice. I feel very confident about it. Um, Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. You're going to be so proud of your country if I get in. You're going to be so proud of your president, and I don't care about that. But you are going to be so proud of your country because we're going to turn it around and we're going to start winning again. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. And you'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. Mr. President, it's too much. And I'll say, no, it isn't. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. We're going to win so much. These politicians ran for office pledging to crack down on unfair foreign trade only to get elected, get into office, and then do absolutely nothing except let our country get ripped off. But I'm not like other politicians. I've never been a politician before. I only started two and a half years ago, and I became president. How am I doing, okay? But I keep my promises, and I keep my promises to your industry, and I keep my promises to the workers of this country. 
All right, an amazing speech by the uh, president last night uh, in Cincinnati, the all-important city of Cincinnati. So Bill Cunningham, who was on with us yesterday, literally he's talking about 7 o'clock in the morning. You got thousands and thousands and thousands of people lined up to see Donald Trump. A phenomenon. Now, the people stand outside in the pouring rain, in the cold, line up out there tailgating for hours. Now, that happens at football games. Happens for some really big musicians and, and other people. I don't see anybody on the Democratic side. We, we got a real, real great sampling of what the Democrats are offering this country. And I got to tell you, it doesn't seem inspiring. I mean, the fact that they went out of their way this week to so distance themselves from anything even remotely connected to even... I think he's pretty radical himself. Even Barack Obama is somewhat stunning and shocking to me. And the president, you know, obviously loves this. Look at this record we have today. You know, maybe you don't, maybe you're one of those people, you know, well, I don't know, the president's style, he's too combative. Actually, I think America's kind of picked up on, understands and embraces the fact that they elected a disruptor that's not going to stop fighting. And how do you win if you're not in the fight? And I think that that fearlessness is now becoming an admiration of people that maybe even didn't vote for Donald Trump the last time. Look at this. A record number, 157,288,000 Americans now employed. The best number we get today has to do with manufacturing. Well, what about manufacturing? Well, manufacturing, the number of people employed in the U.S. today has now hit a record. This wasn't happening in the Biden-Obama years. You know, Bureau of Labor Statistics, 157,288,000. Well, that means also revenues to the federal government will go up because people work, they pay taxes. That means the, the seven-plus million new jobs that are created, oh, that's taking people off of food stamps, out of poverty, giving them a purpose in their lives. They get to contribute. That is good for everybody's, that's, that's for everybody's benefit. You know, if you add, if we start adding the energy jobs that I predict we can add, and we have a way of getting our gas, oil, energy over to our Western European allies and over to Asia, and we can do it better and faster than Vladimir Putin, guess what happens to Russia? By the way, the same Russia that even the New York Times, when they say it was knowingly disinformation, knowing it was from the get-go, it was disinformation from the Russians from the beginning. Well, they knew Hillary was buying the dirty dossier. Maybe this whole narrative that you've heard for two and a half years that the Russians were helping to elect Trump. Well, if they knew the dirty dossier was disinformation, we now have the FBI spreadsheet saying 90 some odd percent of it is untrue. Like we told you from the get go, if you, if you actually read the dossier, you can just laugh at it. You know, it's not true. And we're well, you know part of a few that actually told you that and took the time to read it. It's actually amusing, worth your time if you have uh, some spare time over the weekend. But the reality is, you want to bring Putin to his knees, it's going to be energy. You know, the unemployment rate, 3.7%. I mean, you look at these manufacturing jobs, the biggest number since January. That, to me, is the biggest gain over the weekend. And what, who's benefiting? The people that were hurt the most under Biden-Obama policies. Every demographic group that Democrats claim to have a monopoly of compassion for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. That's where the benefit is most felt.
those jobs, manufacturing jobs, they didn't just go away because, because, because they were regulated out of business oftentimes. You know, this this extreme, new, radical, green, new deal agenda. Well, there's been some implementation of that, you know, decisively, it's incrementally rammed down our throat over the years. And now they're just saying it more openly, believing it more openly. And and as we discussed in days past, even Ocasio-Cortez's own chief of staff said, oh, the Green New Deal was never about climate change, just worked out that way. No, it's about a new philosophy. It's about socialism. What did Comrade de Blasio say? We're going to tax the living hell out of the rich. Okay, we're going to give the money back, Congresswoman Tlaib says. We're going to give the money back to the people who really deserve it, the ones that earned it. Take it from the, they're going to take it from the people that earned it. All this hatred, there's two factors in play here. Hatred of people that have been given the freedom and worked hard, took advantage of the opportunity, and have been successful. Let's punish that success. And on the other side of it, we're going to punish that success by telling maybe a larger group of people, hey, elect us, empower us, we'll take their money, and we'll build in every bit of safety, security, from cradle to grave into your life. And you can count on us. And you'll keep your doctor and your plan and you'll save. No, I guess not. That didn't work out. But that's what they want. All right, joining us now to to literally shed more light on why this phenomenon is what it is. Now, this book is going to do very well. It's called Winning Over 300 Trump Administration Accomplishments. The media refuses to discuss. Jason Hoyt is with us. You know, and by the way, you have a website, PresidentTrumpWinning.com, which the president was talking about. We'll get sick of winning. Um, why do you think the media can never give any credit to anything that he's done? And look at the record set again today on the economy. Well, it's just the fact that they it, it goes completely against their agenda. You know, if you remember, President Obama said, what's he going to do? Negotiate a better deal? What's he going to do? Wave his magic wand? And here we are with manufacturing numbers, with unemployment numbers, deregulation, doing exactly the things that he promised during the campaign, which went against everything Obama promoted and Hillary promoted. And here we are with more and more winning. So my question is, as you and I look, I obviously can't give every all the 300 accomplishments. We have actually done something that no other TV show has done. And we've done it on this radio program. And that is we've actually listed them to the extent you can list them and not bore people to death. But on TV, we actually scroll them along with my monologue some nights, and I'm looking at this list of accomplishments, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, think about that. Now, compare that to the time the media mob spends on, let's see, Robert Mueller, the witch hunt, Russia, 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 stormy, stormy, asshole, asshole, uh, racist, racist. Uh, they don't give any time to the success, do they? No, not, not at all. And, and I think that one of the greatest successes is beyond the economic numbers for President Trump is just what you talked about with Rush Limbaugh in your interview is finally we have someone who is taking on the media, not trying to be a media darling and hope they like him. He's, he's playing them like a fiddle. Uh, I think Rush a couple years ago said that Twitter is Trump's laser pointer and the media are cats. Finally, we have a guy who is in office uh, controlling the media and setting the narrative, even though they're not giving him any credit for any of the success and the winning. Well, the thing is, is, you know, I am the forgotten man. That was my life for a good part of my life. I didn't have money in the bank. I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have hope of having any insurance. And the only thing I had was my, you know, two good hands, halfway decent brain and, an, and a work ethic that was, 
instilled in me by my parents and grandparents, and, and that work ethic literally saved my life and living in the greatest that, country God gave man. Absolutely. And, and then you think about even last year, last July, uh, I believe Trump signed an executive order setting up the National Council for the American Worker. How many times have you heard that discussed? They're talking about more education for manufacturing, and I think that that's what a lot of the, the manufacturing, that, that blue-collar side, if you will, that you talked about, there's much more confidence. There's a lot of uh, investment in that area. And, and they're, they've finally got a guy on board who, you know, remember, President Obama at the, during that same town hall said, well, we're just going to have to retrain them to do something else. Those jobs aren't coming back. Well, we got a new guy here, a new sheriff in town, and the jobs are coming back. Well, I want to ask this, because when you see the manufacturing yeah. jobs, as I was saying, those jobs didn't just disappear. They were legislated out of business. There was, they were, the, the regulations drove them out of business. The high taxation drove them out of business. And that's why companies, is it true or not true? They decide they can't make a profit if they produce in America, so they go abroad. How much of a factor was that? Oh, it's a huge factor. And in fact, uh, candidate Trump promised to remove two regulations for every new one regulation uh, implemented. And in 2018, I believe, he removed the ratio of 12 to 1, way above what he promised. In 2017, he started off with 22 to 1. And so I think that what he's doing is he's returning the free market to the people. Instead of a government-run economy where uh, these, these agencies pick and choose who wins in the economy and who loses, he's returning by reducing regulation and returning the economy to the people. All right, got to take a break. We'll come back. This book is amazing. We put it on Hannity.com. It's called Winning Over 300 Trump Administration Accomplishments the Media Mob Refuses to Discuss. All right, as we continue, the author of the book, Jason Hoyt, is with us, Winning Over 300 Trump Administration Accomplishments. Why is this president setting these employment records? And do you see a correlation? For example... Uh, black unemployment, another huge record, which is awesome for this country. Why? What is it specifically that is, why are his policies impacting the the communities that I would argue were disproportionately negatively impacted by Biden-Obama, uh, the people that claim to have a monopoly of compassion for every separate demographic group in the country? I think that, uh, especially when you look at the walk-away movement, which isn't being discussed by the rest of the media, the walk-away movement, uh, the, the, um, people who are walking away from the Democrat Party, they're seeing the light. They're seeing the opportunity out there. And when you reduce the regulation, for example, and I don't think that he has specific policies that I'm going to target the black community only, because it's not just the black community. It's Hispanics. It's women. It's, there, there's record numbers across the board Unfortunately, we've got a mentality of breaking them, breaking everybody into classes and segmentations and categories. But across the board, we're all winning in this economy. So I don't think he's actually targeting specific areas and saying, I'm going to help them only. It's helping all of us. Do you agree with me that the biggest opportunity for everybody's wealth to rise, in other words, if we want everybody's standard of living to rise, which we do, I see if we're going to train truck drivers in the energy spec, uh, sphere and we're going to train them and they're going to make 80 grand starting out after training and 100 grand easy if they do a little overtime and 125 grand if they do a lot of overtime and then more as the years go on. Those are real career high paying jobs. And to me, there's probably 
millions of them that will be created. Do you agree with me that is the biggest potential growth possibility, um, rising tide possibility of success for most Americans? I absolutely do. Um, and again, it's that deregulation side. Even w- without the help of uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Congress, he's reducing these regulations. And businesses feel optimistic. There's less barriers to entry. Uh, more and more people can be entrepreneurial and start a small business, uh, or they can you know, get that training, uh, which, which he's talked about, which he talked about in the National Council for the American Worker last year. I see tremendous opportunity across the board. And people are optimistic and taking advantage of all that. All right, listen, we put your book. I think this is going to do very well. Congratulations on it. Um, uh, winning, it's called. you got a great cover on the book. Uh, over 300 Trump administration accomplishments, the media mob. Why didn't you put the word mob in there? You don't listen to the show enough. The media mob, I'm adding the word mob, refuses to discuss. <laughs> well, I, I refer to this book as a conversation starter. We have to reach, I believe, with personal conversations with our friends and family, those that are still buying into the narrative of the, of the leftist media, we have to reach them with personal conversation, sit them down and say, look, this is what's going on. This is the real news about what's going on, not the fake news. Do some research. It's a conversation starter. So no, I didn't put mob on there. I don't want to get them too triggered at the outset on the cover. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. We wish you well. It's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Winning over 300 Trump administration accomplishments the media mob refuses to discuss. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. You are doing something. Can I just announce what you're doing? Do you mind? I don't don't mind at all. I'm grateful. So we told the story that Linda went down to Leavenworth. Now, we, we followed the Eddie Gallagher story. I actually met Eddie Gallagher the other night in in studio. I'm not allowed to talk a lot about it. He was the one that was cleared thanks to Mark Mukasey, Bernie Carrick, Rudy Giuliani, and the president got involved. Remember, they had him in the worst prison conditions and he had not been found guilty of anything. Um, and he was alleged to have killed a terrorist. And it turns out nothing of that sort ever happened. And, and by the way, now they're trying to steal those poor guys retirement, which is unconscionable. We have been following the case of Clint Lawrence for a long time on this program. We've had his family on this program, just like we followed the case to Christian Saucier. And we can't follow everyone's case, but in the case of Clint Lawrence, he became a new platoon member. Uh, what year was he serving at that time? What was uh, he... the incident? Was uh, he took over the platoon on July first, twenty twelve, and the incident occurred on July second. This is in Afghanistan. All right. So Clint Lawrence takes over a platoon that in the in the two weeks prior had lost platoon members and their platoon leader to guys on motorcycles with IEDs. So he is the brand new leader of that platoon after they've just been through this. His is was it his first well it was the first week in his job. It was the second day. The second day. This what does he see? He sees two motorcycles that bust through a checkpoint. He's got to make a split-second decision. He knows what has happened to this platoon just 10 days earlier. He's, he's got to decide. And it ends up that they defended themselves. They assumed the worst. Now, they, in this particular case, the two guys on motorcycles did not have IEDs, which doesn't explain why they would run past a checkpoint, but that's a different story. Now, since then, they're putting this guy in jail for 30 plus years. 
And they say that's a war crime. Right. So his sentence was reduced to 20 years, and then right. they, take a, they took another year off of time served. Um, but here's the problem. The two guys on the motorcycles, their DNA was found in the interim since this conviction, and their DNA was on IED explosives. Their very DNA, meaning they were terrorists. And the question is, if we're going to send, and again, I'm, I'm all for the next generation of military weaponry, so we don't ever have to send kids door to door like we did in Iraq or the, of the way we fought in Afghanistan. I, I want to fight wars. We, having the most sophisticated, advanced technology, defensive and offensive, where we have guys that can see from overhead we see what drones are capable of, but the next generation of sophisticated weaponry, and we just push buttons like we kind of did in beating back ISIS in Syria, and we win the wars that way. Anyway, you went down to Leavenworth. You met with Clint Lawrence's family and other people. You were very touched by it all. It was a very emotional day for you, and now you've decided to write about it and put it up on Hannity.com. So, yeah. And thank you, Sean, for, for all you're doing, because it's you know, it, it, it takes it really does take a village to get the truth out. Right, there. Really, sometimes. Do we have to quote Hillary at the beginning of this? Really, I'm, I'm giving you props and you quote Hillary. You start out quoting Hillary. All right, go ahead. Anywho, anywho, anywho. So so Clint, you know, one of the things that we're really trying to to bring to light and we're so fortunate to have really good people joining on board, which we're going to be announcing next week because they're reviewing the case now. But one of the things that I'm writing about in this article that a lot of people don't know is that not only is Clint completely innocent and not only does the biometric evidence completely exonerate him of any guilt or fault here and what he did was completely within the right to protect his platoon, but there is a brigadier general who is the highest judge that would oversee and has been overseeing his case. And he went out last March of 2018 and gave a speech at CSIS, which is a big conservative think tank. And told the audience there in the middle of talking about one of the greatest military tragedies in our history, comparing Clint Lawrence to this this story and saying that Clint Lawrence was guilty of charges that he had actually been exonerated on and acquitted on by jury of his peers. So Don Brown and John Maher, who are the two um, uh, part of his legal team, they're the two guys sort of at the helm. And so they reach out to the brigadier uh, general and they say, you know, uh, General Berger, we want to let you know that uh, you misspoke about Clint Lawrence, whose case is still under review. He can still be completely acquitted of everything. The exculpatory ev evidence can be included. And by you saying something like this on a main stage in a respected forum by, you know, a group of your peers and people that are going to hear this about Clint Lawrence, you're really making this very difficult for us. And so, you know, they took it upon themselves to assume that his actions were not nefarious and that he did not mean to do this. And yet at first he was like, oh, yeah, I'll have a meeting with you guys. Look over the evidence. Uh, you know, maybe I misspoke, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden he goes quiet. He's never retracted his comments. He's never said that he was wrong. He's never looked at the documentation. And all of this is written proof. I mean, Clint had to go before a court. He was held before a jury and acquitted on all of these rules of engagement and fractions that were supposedly that he had committed that he did not. So then this general goes and lies about him, willfully lies about him and continues to lie about him and perpetuates a lie, making sure that it's getting around so that this man cannot be acquitted. And we're not looking for a pardon for Clint. Be very clear on that. We are not looking for a pardon. A pardon means that you are guilty. We you are wanna, looking for a disapproval. No, we are looking for a disapproval of findings. 
a disapproval of findings. And just today, we're seeing this rapper. Uh, what do they call him? ASAP Rocky. Rocky. The guy in Sweden. So now this guy's coming home from Sweden. So if we can get a rapper home from Sweden, we can get Clint Lawrence out of Fort Leavenworth, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's up. So on I'm going to write an article. Com. It's up there now. Please yeah. take a look. Get involved, everybody. The problem is, it's not just Clint. The rules of engagement. Oh, it's Matt Goldstein. It's Hatley. There's a whole bunch of them. Look at Derek Miller. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Sorry, I'm on a roll. I apologize. Uh, no, don't apologize. I mean, it, it is the rules of engagement. We we can't do this anymore. We can't ask our kids to go fight in Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, and put handcuffs on them. And then if they make an imperfect decision in the moment, how easy must it be, you know, for people in the comfort of of some military barracks in Washington, D.C. somewhere and their big offices to make decisions, life and death decisions when they're not there. And that's why that's just another reason we politicize wars after we lose tens of thousands of brave our, our national treasure. And then we say, never mind. Or we end up saying, well, you shouldn't have made that decision. And I, I'm like, what do you mean? You can't second guess a, a platoon leader in combat in a moment like that. And that's what they did. And then when the evidence that showed that the two motorcycle guys were, in fact, terrorists with DNA evidence. And there were, they were match. They're bomb makers. And the road that they bomb were makers. coming down, this is a road that is used and controlled only by the Taliban. Exactly. And they and they ran the checkpoint. What else do you what are you supposed to think in that moment? The problem is now, if you're second guessing, you got this other group of kids behind you that are younger than you that look up to you and you're in charge of making a decision about whether they're going to their parents are going to get a call in the next 24 hours that they're either dead. They've had their legs blown off or they're barely hanging on to life and they're going to be disfigured the rest of their life. It's unbelievable. That we even have to discuss this. Every one of those cases needs to be brought up and revisited now that Obama is out of office. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, let's say hi. Oh, big time. AJ Houston, Texas. What's going on, baby? How are you, big time? Big time, Sean Hannity. Wow, you're quiet I'm today. The, How are you? I'm, I'm in I'm in the bank, so I'm, I'm going you're quiet in the bank? today. You're yeah, quiet? You, the know bank. What, you know what they're going to think if you're in the bank talking quietly? <laughs> they're going to think that you're planning a robbery. That's what they're going to exactly. think. They're going to think that you and I are plotting. No, I'm just teasing. What's going on, my friend? Oh, just shaking the bacon. Hey, Trump was in my hometown there in Cincinnati before I went to Detroit. And, uh, boy, what a shocking statement. That man is a bad man. And what's so good about it is my uncle say, I'm coming out the bank now. I can really talk now. Hey, my uncle say, well, it ain't going to be no black folk there because uh, there's a KKK meeting. I say, well, I got a funny feeling you're going to be wrong. And boy, what happened? You see something, them all standing up looking at all them black folks that was at that place. It was so funny. But hey, this ain't about black. This ain't about what. This is about the American people. The man has done a fabulous job. Aren't, and aren't we like one America, say, one family? I mean, in the sense that I don't get it. it. Hey, well, you know, to the Democrats and liberals, it's always going to be about race. This is what's going to happen, and they're going to lose again. It's like James Brown said, Trump opened up the door, and we're going to get it ourselves. It ain't like Obama. He did. Uh, government going to help you do it. Government and never showed up. Black folks waking up. White folks waking up. Everybody waking I up. And love, the Democrats bashing it. 
You know, it's amazing how this crystallized this week. And big time, we love you. You're the best. Go do your banking. Tell everybody uh, in Houston we say hi. When we got to meet big time, that was like the honor of our life. And when he met Linda, it was like, oh, my God. It was it, it, it was a fun it, day. It, it was a fun, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun moment. Um, all right, 800-941-SHAWN. But I got to tell you something. At the end of the day, you look at the records. We now have the Democrats are so stupid. They went so far on this issue of concentration camps that then the president brings up Baltimore and he tells the truth. And this has happened. We've been highlighting L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, Baltimore. Baltimore happens to be the worst in terms of the violence that has taken place in the streets. I've given you all these numbers repeatedly, you know, and it is. These problems in these cities that for decades have been run by big spending liberals, the poverty, the misery, the mayhem, $1.8 billion to Baltimore and the stimulus bill. What did they do with it? How do you waste that much money? It's unbelievable. All right, let's get, uh, all right, Tom in Florida is down on this Friday. We can't have people down on Friday. What's up, Tom? How are you? Hey, Sean, I am uh, doing good. Once a uh, Marine, uh, now a current truck driver in the sunny state. Well, always a Marine. Semper Fidelis, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, like I, I, I called you, uh, called, uh, told you a uh, call screener. Um, yesterday, I, I got livid, as I'm sure many of your uh, listeners got livid, you know, and, and, and I sort of felt like there was a lot of pontification going on with your guests yesterday about possible uh, non-indictments, and I uh, only got a couple questions for you, because, I mean, I... All right, let's know, spit it out. What you got? Why, why are you what? down? What do I need? Let not your heart be troubled. What's on your mind? Well, and, uh, you know, being a uh, former Marine, I, I, I don't let my heart get troubled. I just want to see justice, as I'm sure that you do. We've heard, uh, we've heard you talk about this now for the last two years, and when I heard what I heard yesterday... Uh, it, you know, it, it just got me down. Uh, the, the, the only, the only upside to that was, was, you know, that, you know, the, you know, there might be some possible indictments coming down the road. Do we all feel that Comey should be indicted on, um, on the leaks? Absolutely. But let me ask you this. Uh, Look, I'm, I'm going to shock you what I say. Just remember this. I know he's been recommended for prosecution, but you know, he deserves due process presumption of innocence. I think the evidence is pretty overwhelming when they got the documents that you took that you shouldn't have taken, that are classified. But go ahead. In your heart of hearts, uh, and, and we're not just talking about uh, Mr. Comey, in your heart of hearts, do you think there's going to be any, any indictments? And are you worried at the end of the day that there's not going to be any indictments at all through this whole process? I always worry that the swamp protects the swamp. You got to worry about that. I mean, and Christopher Ray's, uh, you know, John Solomon's column really was disappointing to me this week. You always have to worry about that. But do I believe there's going to be indictments for the abuse of power, the corruption, FISA abuse, rigging an investigation, and an illegal circumvention of American intelligence gathering and outsourcing it? Yeah, I think I do believe there will be indictments of some very big name people. I believe that with all my heart, and if it doesn't happen, I will say that what we call our constitutional republic, equal justice, equal application of our laws are in jeopardy for all of us. We can't have a two-tier justice system. 
I'm, I'm pretty confident, though. Wait and see. Hey, have a great uh, Friday, by the way, uh, and weekend. Bradley is up for today. I am. Um, what a week this has been. Um, I I want to just address because too many callers now and too many people writing and and so many of you concerned. Ah, oh, what about Barr? Why didn't Barr decide to you know we had the DOJ Inspector General referred Comey for possible prosecution on two things and by the way, not being honest, one of them and 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 the espionage. Why didn't he act? Why didn't he do? I'm just telling you, it's not the way it's going to work in this case. They're not going to go for the low-hanging fruit first. It's too important. And all the pressure that the Trump people felt the last two and a half years, oh, they're feeling it now, which is why they all hate me so much. Anyway, um, have a great weekend. Uh, Barbecue, have fun with your family and your friends. We live in the greatest country God gave man. Thank you for this microphone and camera every day. And uh, celebrate freedom and fun because it's a gift. See you back here Monday. Have a great weekend.